The Raging Bull. Most of his movies suck. The Deutschland Destroyer. The characters are poorly written. He has no eye for detail. The Teutonic Terror. He's one of the most prolific filmmakers out there. Yes, he's shit, but he's prolific. Doctor Uber. Like, okay, if you come up here and uh, you fight me, then uh, I will kick the shit out of you. <laughs> Gutsy, daring, and never afraid to speak his mind. This week's Rip Ticket Review is all about Uwe Boll, the German director who apparently doesn't understand video game movies. And he especially doesn't like people who slag him off. All the hecklers, all the critics, all the geeks are um, wannabe filmmakers, and as soon as they do something on their own, it sucks. Disinfectant was the talk of American citizens, Venom 2 got the subtitle of Let There Be Carnage, and Martin Clunes appeared on Breakfast TV in his pyjamas. What else would you need from a film podcast and two blokes talking, well, some good, some bad, about someone who doesn't understand how to make a video game adaptation. Hello and welcome to this week's Rip Ticket Review. My name's Jack Smith, and joining me over the power of the internet to talk all things Uwe Boll is the rampage to my postal. Good afternoon and welcome back, Dan Carver. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much, Jack, for that incredible introduction. And yes, today we are talking about one of my favourite directors. I know a lot of people are going to be surprised at that, but hear me out. I will defend my position that Uwe Boll is just an absolute genius in filmmaking for all the wrong reasons, admittedly. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what the episode is going to be about. We will be looking at Uwe Boll, his films, both his independent films and the computer game film Rampage that he went on. Um, yeah, basically, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, he's, so, he's been I'm not quite... as good at this introduction thing as you. <laughs> well, this is what you do when you do 19 weeks with a live podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, director to research. Following on from uh, the last time we were together and we looked at Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. We and see, now we... you've got somebody who sort of like knows a little bit more about film. He's kind of the professional Tommy Wiseau, I that's, would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Briefly about Uwe Boll, he's um, born in uh, Wermelskering. Uh, I, I, I butchered that completely. Let's try that again. Uh, Wermel... I, I, I tried to pronounce it. Thank you. Wermelskirchen uh, in West Germany. Uh, he studied at the University of Cologne in 1994. He published his dissertation and he decided to go into the movie business at 10 years old. Uh, he was inspired by Mutiny on the, on the Bounty, which is the uh, 62, 1962 American Technicolor epic historical drama. And he saw Marlon Brando in it and he was like, yes, I want to make films. And that was the beginning of something incredible. <laughs> um, Uwe Boll, how, how can you wrap... The best way to describe Uwe Boll and his genius is he is a man who whose filmmaking was stuck in the 80s and refused to move on. If yeah, Uwe Boll yeah, was yeah. directing movies in the 80s, he'd be huge. We'd be studying him in film studies about like how, how his his movies were, you know, something incredible. Because if you have a look at his, ignoring his computer game uh, movies for a minute, if you have a look at his um, second phase, which was his independent movies, Tunnel Rats, you know, the 1968 Tunnel Rat, Amoklauf, Heart of America, Assault on Wall Street, Darfur, these were all better received by critics than his computer game movies. Although it's important to understand when I say better received, I best the better term would probably be not hated as much. Yeah. Um... I actually like his Rampage series as well. His Rampage series is pretty good. That, that's, that seems to be the, 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 the franchise that he's become best known for, and I know he kicked up a fuss when the Dwayne Johnson-fronted Rampage film based on the 80s video game uh, came out a few years back. He really kicked up a storm on Twitter about it. Well, sorry, but you shouldn't have named your movie after a video game, ironically enough. Because <laughs> when that came out, I was like, oh, God, no, he's going to do Rampage next. And then it turned out it wasn't, um, it wasn't about... The monsters. It was a political shooting spree because that's the thing about Uwe Boll. One of his 
things in movies is, is he, he seems to have a thing with mass shootings mm. which is crazy but anyway if you have a look at like his independent movies they're pretty damn you know compared to you know the, on the uve bowl scale they're, they're pretty decent i mean tunnel rats for example uh 1968 tunnel rats um the whole dialogue on that is ad-libbed no script wow yeah so that's something um there's no i think i'm trying to think as well um he did a prison drama as well uh which was also ad-libbed so yeah um but everybody knows him for his computer game movies so i guess we talk about them yep so let's start off with so his first computer game movie i do believe was in 2003 house of the dead mm. i have to say though right anyone that's played the original house of the dead well if, if you've played through house of the dead and 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 you, you know you, you, you've studied it he's actually that house of the dead movie that he made was actually a pretty faithful adaption in the sense that it got the mood right but it didn't get, you know, it, it wasn't about two secret agents who were in, who were chasing a guy in a mansion um, full of zombies. It was just a bunch of, two, bunch of college students um, on a boat trip. And they go to um, an island, Isle de Mortes, which says the island of death, because that's exactly where you want to have a rave, apparently. But that's what <laughs> happens. Um, they go to the island of the Mortes. And essentially what happens is they end up, um, they, they find a derelict house and they end up um, being attacked by zombies. Yeah, just reading it basically on Wikipedia here, it does seem to embody the sort of the little teasers that they uh, used to have on the machines when we had a House of the Dead machine at the local cinema. Way yeah. back, way back when. Hmm. But it's an absolutely crazy movie. It's just full of, it's full of cliches and plot holes, and it's just it, it. But it's 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 still like even IGN admitted that it's an unbalanced B movie. But it, it did okay. It was a routine job. Um, yes, it had some unintentional laughs to do with the movie, um, where it, just crazy things happen, bad scripts um guff special effects that sort of thing uh it's three percent on rotten tomatoes yeah and it was followed by a sequel house of the dead 2 that's another thing about uve bowl as well um is that most of his um movies do get sequels although house of the dead 2 wasn't directed by uve bowl it was michael hurst but still that's crazy that this got a sequel, but it start you know it it marked the beginning of a complete and utter rampage through video game movies. I would argue that Vivi Bowl is one of the reasons why Hollywood has found it difficult to put in um, computer game movies that people can uh have confidence in yeah it's only in recent years that i mean we we literally discussed this back in the day when we used to present a radio show together uh we do we 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 realized in recent years the, the video game curse has started to slowly lift it's only in recent years that we've had more credible efforts like the this year's sonic the hedgehog film which won over fans easily even with the controversy surrounding the depiction of the character in that first trailer but uve's curse on the industry is slowly starting to disappear which is good uh, yeah it is starting i think i think hollywood is starting to sort of realize that actually you just need to do what marvel do which is just play the games and make a reenaction of the game mm. and not do what uve bold did so what what, what did uve bold do so uve bold is a director who is unabashedly committed to his vision he's kind of like the ed woods of video game movie directors yeah i've seen Wood, that quote a lot in the research yeah ed, ed woods himself for those of you who don't know he was responsible for some of the most travesty you know the travesty of movies um escape from planet nine mm. is, is one of them um which is just uh, it, it's sorry plan nine from out of space um i sorry i'm still not with it today <laughs> um plan nine from out of space which is edward's independent science fiction film it's one of the worst films ever that, that have been made but 
when you have a look at like Edward and throughout his whole movies, you see that Edward had a vision and he kept to that vision. And that's admirable. In my opinion, he never compromised as well. When people came up to him and said, Uvi, you've got to do this. Uvi was like, no, I want to do this. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm sinking my money into. We're going to do this. The issue with that is if you're making a computer game adaption, you have to understand that you've got to stick to a set vision. Mm. There's very little of yourself you can put in video game adaption movies or even comic book adaption movies. I think that's kind of what Marvel realized when they hired directors. It was like, look, you can't do your own version. You've got to do sort of like, it's got to set, follow a set guideline and rule and rules um, that, you know, fans have come to know and love with the characters. This is why Batman v Superman sucked. Yes. Yeah. Because it fell foul of that room. Well, my Batman kills. Your Batman's a dick. Um, but, oh, sorry. Your Batman's an idiot. Um, you're, oh, you're we, can edit, we can edit that out on the podcast. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> you, you, We're yeah. live, pal. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's why Batman... Um, the um so that's why Batman v Superman sucked. Because Zack Snyder didn't get that there were certain rules to follow. Um, I think, in a sense, Uwe Boll knew there were rules to follow, but he just didn't care. When you ha- when I was doing some research on Alone in the Dark, I came across Blair Erickson's um, quote about um, working with Uwe Boll, and this is what he said. Uh, this is taken from uh, an interview that was on October 2007 uh, from somethingawful.com. Whoa. And this is what Blair Erickson had to say. The original script took the Alone in the Dark premise and depicted it as if it were actually based on the true story of a private investigator in the northern east US whose missing persons cases begin to uncover a disturbing paranormal secret. It was told through the eyes of a writer, Edward Carnby, and his co-workers for a novel and depicted them as real-life blue-collar folks who never expected to find hideous beings waiting for them in the dark. We tried to stick close to HP Lovecraft style and the low-tech nature of the original game, always keeping the horror in the shadows so you never saw what was coming for them. Thankfully, Dr. Bowl was able to hire his loyal team of hacks to crank out something much better than our something story, and add in all sorts of terrifying horror movie essentials like opening gateways to alternate dimensions, bimbo blonde archaeologists, sex scenes... Oh, we'll get onto that in a minute. Oh, That's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Scene. Mad scientists, slimy dog monsters, special army forces designed to battle slimy CG dog monsters, Tara Reid, Matrix slow motion gun battles and car chases. Oh yeah, and a 10 minute opening backstory scroll read aloud to the illiterate audience. The only people able to successfully miss all the negative reviews. I mean, hell, Bowl knows where the real scares lie. Damn, that is harsh. That is really harsh, and I know Ain't It Cool were one of the outlets invited to the infamous boxing matches, and we'll talk a little bit more about them later on. We'll talk more about that. But to give you an idea of of Alone in the Dark, because the Alone in the Dark movie is one of the worst films ever made. And to give you sort of the idea of Alone in the Dark, we have to go back to the video games. Alone in the Dark is one of the first um survival horror video games that have that, that were released um originally developed by infograms and essentially they were heavily based on hp lovecraft's writings uh, although they thankfully managed to cut the horrific racism out thank god yeah um although later games did draw inspiration from other sources like the wild west voodoo works of hr geiger god rest his soul and the beginning games were very much because of the limitations of, of computers at the time, rather than being full fledged 3D, they were they had isometric views similar to I, I would argue similar to the um, German style of horror filmmaking. What do they call it? Oh, um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, oh, German realism, Sur- uh, surrealism, A German expre- expressionism, something like that. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, similar to like the House of Do- uh, Dr. Caligari, or oh, House. Of, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. House of Dr. Yeah. Caligari. What's movie? Do- sorry, uh, House of Dr. Caligari from nineteen twenty-seven. That was it. Yeah, House of Dr. Caligari. The, the, um, the, the uh, I, if you have a look at that movie and you have a look at the early Alone in the Dark games, uh, the uh, with the um, you know the uh, isometric views and the you know fixed camera controls. Sorry, the, and the movement, you will see there's a direct 
correlation of, of inspiration there. So when these, these and these games have obviously done very, very well and they have influenced the survival horror genre. So you'd think that actually you would make a movie based on a similar sort of premise. They would take things from H.R. Um, Geiger. They would take things from H.P. Um, Lovecraft, all sorts. Um, they would, it would be very dark. You know, you wouldn't see the monster, that sort of thing. Mm. But from that quote that Blair Erickson um, came up with, we can we nailed down what is wrong with Bowl, and that is that Bowl is very much in the eighties with his mad scientists, his gunfights, his blatant sexualization uh, of women. Yeah, yeah, yep, all that. And he refuses to catch up with the top. Well, he refused to catch up with the times. And as a result, we got the gem that was Alone in the Dark with Christian Slater and Tara Reid with a sex scene to the song Seven Seconds. Seven seconds waiting, I'll be where. Which I do believe is about the first seven seconds of a child's life amidst the horrors of the world. Yeah, that's a really romantic oh, song. Oh, God, a sex scene come on. Yeah. I'll have to... It, it's crazy. And, yeah, the, the movie itself, it starts off with, like, a 10-minute introduction. There's some brilliant moments in it. It has Christian Slater, obviously, um, for whatever reason, taking this job. Um, Tara reads, no surprises there. And oh, it has some brilliant, uh, some brilliant lines in it. Fear is what protects you from the things that you believe in is my favorite one. It's in the opening segment of the film where he t- where Christian Slater, who plays Edward Carnaby, um, talks to him and he goes, I think fear is what keeps you from the things that you believe in. What does that mean? That's a nonsense statement. It literally doesn't make any sense. Tara, Tara Reed, archaeologist, blonde bimbo archaeologist. Tara, oh man. And it got worse. His movies seem to just get worse and worse as they go along. Mm. Because then you had Blood Rain, which was a 2005 um, American fantasy action horror. And it was based on the Blood Rain movies that had, um, I think that had Meatloaf in it. Or one of of them had Meatloaf because it was, um, they, they were a trilogy. Yeah, this one has Meatloaf in it. Meatloaf and Ben Kingsley. Oh, God. Meatloaf, Ben Kingsley, Billy Zane, Michael Madsen. And that's the thing. People are so quick to dispose, to, like, to smack off Uber Bowl. But he's getting these big actors in. Like, ben, like how is he doing it? He's got all these amazing big actors and Meatloaf. Like, what, <laughs> you know, like, so there has to be something to, to, to it. You know, In the Name of the King comes out in 2007, two years later. Uber Bowl goes into hibernation in 2005. We all think we're, we all think, thank God it's over 2007. It's he, he comes back out of hibernation in the name of the king. And he gets talents like Jason Statham and Ron Perlman for that film. Yeah, exactly. And then um, Blood Rain 2 Deliverance. And then he directs Alone in the Dark. No, he doesn't direct Alone in the Dark 2. He, he, he produces it. Um, the Far Cry movie. Each of these movies are just terrible. Mm. Um, I mean, at least you didn't do Street Fighter, Chun Li's story. That's the worst of the worst. That that even Uwe Boll doesn't do that. This is how bad Uwe Boll's video game movies were. He tried to buy out um, Warcraft because he wanted to do a Warcraft movie. (laughs) And Blizzard Entertainment said, we would never sell the rights to you, especially you. And yet Blizzard would then make their own Warcraft film a couple of years later. Which sucks. Yeah. Although I have to say, um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of touch on the reason why that sucked compared to what um, compared to what an Uwe Boll Warcraft Uwe movie Boll would have been. Would have done. I don't. I don't understand how Uwe Boll would have done it anyway. Hmm. But um, people come to claim he was the world's worst director. I I wouldn't agree with that. I think that he was just a guy. You know, and he, I think he got a lot of underserved flack mm. 
And the thing I think, the reason they got a lot of answers so flat was because he took computer games. Now, there are very few passionate communities out there, more passionate than gamers. Because the thing about computer games, we have to understand the thing about computer gamers are, are, is that we pour a lot of ourselves into these games. And especially the the early game, the early 90s games where um, that have really great stories like role-playing uh, games, yeah, yeah. all that sort of thing. We pour a lot of our, our time into those and we get back these characters and then we've watched them grow from 2D to 3D, all sorts. And it's the same for comic books as well. Comic book readers have poured a lot of themselves into these comic books and they've bought these comic books and they've watched their characters grow and grow. So to see a character, to, 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 let's say, for example, you're, you're a fan of Batman. Um, and you've watched, you've, you've read Batman as a kid, you're reading the adult stuff as an adult, and then you see him on the big screen and he's killing people. But every single comic you've read has said very clearly, Batman does not kill people. This is the unbreakable rule. Yes, he killed people in the earlier in the early early comics, but then they stamped it out. So, what does that tell you? It tells you that somebody has essentially violated your space violated the characters that you enjoyed and has made something that they that they just don't understand mm. they have taken something that you have held dear and they have perverted it now most directors can get you can, you can sort of say well it's because this director obviously isn't a gamer mm. they obviously aren't a comic book writer comic book fan they claim to be but they're not they are obviously not they just don't understand the comic books. Zack Snyder, his biggest failing, and I, I mean this with great respect because he's a decent director. Oh, yeah, he's back. Some, some really good stuff in the past. It's just his yeah, more yeah. recent works haven't been up to the same standard. Yeah. The reason his DC movies sucked was because he didn't understand why things happened in comic books. He didn't understand why Superman is the paragon of justice and hope. He didn't understand why Batman could break bones, could brutalize people, but he would never kill. He didn't get it. Zack Snyder's brilliant with visuals, by the way. He's fantastic oh, yeah. with visuals. Like, I, I argue that that is the best Batman we've ever got, is Bat Batfleck. Yeah, so, so, so the visuals in Dawn of Justice were quite something. I'm kind of gussed I seen it on a screen which didn't have the right projection set up. 30% darker than it would have been. Damn you, 3D setup. Yeah. Like, visually brilliant, but he didn't get it. Uwe Boll, I think, was kind of different. I think Uwe Boll, you could get the sense that he is a gamer. Mm. That he does enjoy his computer games. But he also enjoys his 80s movies. And I'm guessing that's what he grew up was his 80s movies. The reason Uwe Boll's movies sucked, these computer game movies sucked, was because it was a mad clash of what was in the present and then trying to inject it with what you knew in the 80s. And that could never work. Ever. Like, it, no, I'm sorry. And to prove it, you have that Alone in the Dark quote where Uwe Boll takes what seems to be a really great script which had potential and go, no, we're going to uh, put in a uh, gunfights. We're going to put in CGI monsters, matrixy stuff. We are going to do all this. That's what I want to see in the movie. That's the movie I want to make. And he says that in the documentary, doesn't he? He's like, that's the movie I want. Cause there's a documentary. Yeah. And he says, this is the movies that I want to make. And it's like, well, that's good and well, but when you're making comic book movies or computer game movies or any movie based on a, a franchise, you're not making movies for yourself. And you're not making movies for the fans. You are making movies for the people that have never heard of that franchise. And that's where Blizzard went wrong with their Warcraft film. Yeah. Because they made it for the fans, but they didn't. And make I remember. It for the average I remember. Joe 
yeah and i remember what in my review where i uh, back in ipswich way way before i started university and i remember saying i remember i remember thinking to myself before i did the review i was like and i said it on there i said there were two distinct groups of people in the audience there were the group that had never seen warcraft before and they had no idea what was going and they were asking questions where is this how is this happening da 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 and then there was the other group who were massive fans and they were the ones that were laughing oh my god it's stormwind oh he used polymorph on him and it was those people that warcraft catered to and that's why it failed because ultimately the bulk of the audience is not going to be fans it's going to be the average cinema goer yeah and that's what what marvel realized and that's why they've been so successful it's why dc is starting to finally catch up I mean, you just got to look at exactly this time last year when Endgame came out. It was the talk of the whole world, not just with cinema guys, but with basically everyone. It's like, have you seen Endgame yet? Have you seen Endgame exactly. yet? Have you seen Endgame yet? Yeah. And that's the thing as well. It, it, it's that they they made the movie for, peop- for the, cinema, for the um, average cinema audience, but they respected the material. They respected Iron Man's origins, for example. Go back to Iron Man. They respected Iron Man's origins. Um, and I know I'm using comic book movies, but that's just because there's not been a decent video game movie made yet. Rampage oh, yeah. came close. The uh, video game movie, not the Uber Bob, but we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Um, you know, they respected the material. They were like, right, who is Tony Stark? Okay, what type of person is he? Okay, we'll, go, we'll put that in the movie. That's what the, the fans have grown up with. We're just making it more accessible to a non-comic book audience and then that and that's essentially what has happened with comic book movies i would argue that if uve boll had done that and he had respected the plots of the movies had he listened to people who were far wiser than him and he had just stuck you know to saying right okay we're going to take the plot of this video game and we're going to put it on the big screen and we're going to aim at cinema goers. I reckon he would have been far more successful. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But he's still my favourite, one of my favourite Terabad directors. Um, and I had something... Where was I going with this? I had something to say, and then I went on for the mass engine. But yeah, so... Yeah, we had In the Name of the King, and then Blood Rain 2, Deliverance, and then he made Postal. Mm. Oh, God, Postal. Postal, Postal was terrible. And very controversial, basically. Postal was one of the most controversial video games of 2007, when it yeah. when it re- when it really took off. And uh, he got he got Vern Troyer and J.K. Simmons in this film. Goes back to what I say. He must be doing something. He must have been doing something. And to be fair, again, Postal kind of got the idea of the game correct, but I wouldn't. Have, but it, it was just a terrible movie because. Again, it was just not funny. It was just terrible. It had Uwe Boll schlock on. Uh, I mean, the opening scene um, was the 9-11 sequence where two Al-Qaeda hijackers um, are pumping themselves up. They're about to crash in the World Trade, into the uh, World Trade Center. And then they're like, oh, you know, we're going to get so many virgins. How many virgins are we going to get? I don't know. Let's call... Uh, let, let's... Um, let's call Osama Bin Laden. He knows everything. And they call him, and Osama Bin Laden's like, you're not going to receive 72 virgins. And um, the uh, they're, they're like, oh, we're not going to receive 72 virgins. We're just not going to crash. And the Al-Qaeda terrorists are about to pull up, and then people come in, and they try to fight the plane controls, not realizing what's happened. And it's one of the, the most appalling dark jokes. And I say that in parentheses, in, in quotation marks, one of the most appalling dark jokes ever. It just wasn't funny. I would have walked out on a joke like that. I seriously would have walked out if a film made a joke like that. Yeah, and that's just Uwe Boll. He did. He just didn't get it. He never understood it. He never he, like. And and to be fair on Uwe Boll though, Postal is not. Uh, I would never ever make a movie out of Postal. If I had a choice, no. it's like, what would you make a movie out of Postal? I'd be like, no, you can't make a movie out of it. Uh, especially when you got someone as harsh as the BBFC watching over your work in some territories. How bad was it, though? Because a lot of people were really, really angry at Uwe Boll. And this is the thing, again, Uwe Boll was only doing what Uwe Boll knew, and it, which was making 
80s schlock movies that basically would be great in the 80s. And, and so what does he do? He challenges all his critics to a boxing match. Yes. And this, is the, this is the bit now where I, I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Jack, because you're obviously... Yes, I've... So, in 2006, uh, as a result of his hatred of the critics who um, sort of disowned his work, uh, he challenged uh, a lot of his naysayers to a boxing match. Five critics in particular. The first one happened in Spain. The other four mm -hmm. happened in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so, here we are. So, he made headlines by challenging his critics to put up or shut up. It was June 2006, a 10-round boxing match. Invitations were also open, randomly, to Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, the writers of Pulp Fiction. Okay. To qualify, critics had to have written two extremely negative reviews of Bowl, either in print or on the web. Uh, and the first one... Um, was Rich Lotax Kianka. Uh, he says on something awful. He'd been invited to be the first contestant after the review of Alone in the Dark. Uh, a lot was drawn up. Uh, five critics were chosen. Bowl won every single one of these matches. Now, it's in important conclusive to fashion. Now, I, uh, it's important to understand a couple of things about these boxing matches. Because I did ultra white collar boxing once. I sucked at it. It's on YouTube if you want to have a laugh. But I raised money for cancer, um, cancer research. Sorry, didn't actually raise money for cancer for disease that can go f itself. Yeah. Um, I raised money for cancer research. So let me tell you something about boxing now. Ten rounds. That's inhumane. We had three rounds, and I was tired by the end of that. I don't know how boxers do it. Just to um, make it it's... worse, it's uh, a 17-year-old critic took part in this boxing match, and Bob was 41 at the time. That's that's not good. And this is a bit where I have to say I was not impressed with who they... Because... Look, you can just ignore your critics. You know, you can ignore your critics and say, I don't care what you think. So many filmmakers do that. But to put people in the box streaming, and here's the thing: there were claims that they were going to get training, and Which I didn't a lot. Get. Of, well, it was alleged that they never got any training at all. And Uwe Boll is a boxer; he's trained as a boxer immediately. He, you know, he's got the advantage, and the guy is stacked. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he is stacked. So, yeah. This, this quote says it's straight after winning the last fight. He said this. You see what happens when people get hit in the head? They like my movies. He actually said that after the fights. Yeah, that's disgusting. I mean, I, I know filmmakers who wouldn't do stunts like that. Not a chance. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Uwe and his critics, there was even in 2008 uh, a petition uh, that if it reached one million signatures, Bowl would um, retire from, from making films. And he said, uh, it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to sign it. And uh, it peaked at 353,000 signatures. Yeah. But going back to um, in the, the boxing matches... Even his critics realise that Bowl has a love for film. Mm. Because a lot of people claim that Bowl just did this for the money and he, he did a, he um, used a loophole where if you invest in the German film, you get 50% of, of it back. And a lot of people just thought he was in it for the money. But there was a guy um, said to Bowl... Uh, it was Electronic Gaming Monthly's. Um, I think it was Electronic. I'm trying to find the quote now. I've I've gone and lost it. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was. Um, where are we? Ah, here we are. In a Toronto Star article, um, one of the writers said that um, Bowl was an quote insane, two-fisted rogue, and a shockingly honest one at that. Someone, someone who absolutely adores film, knows its history, and truly lives for what he does. So that's Chris Alexander in the uh, Toronto Star. And he was one of the ones who uh, boxed um, Uwe Boll. So again, it shows that Uwe Boll loves film, 
and knows what film and and you know he knows his history and stuff he's not a bad filmmaker he's a bad computer game video director filmmaker person mm. so we've been talking about his computer game movies but he also had his own films as well which he self-financed and they did pretty decently to be honest you know tunnel rats 1968 tunnel rats which um, is based on the factual duties of tunnel rats during the Vietnam War. Um, Bowl, in a documentary of the film, revealed that it did not have a script and all the actors improvised their lines. In a review for the film, this is what was said. Um, combustible celluloid writer Jeffrey M. Anderson wrote... If Bowl had made this film in 1986, he might have won an Oscar and become the next Oliver Stone. That's pretty big. Yeah. Bill Gibbon of FilmCritic.com said it was very good, and that's amazing considering who's receiving said act. Um, fortunately, Bill, um, it was a box office failure. And it won a good Rousey for worst director. Well, if he's working on the film, which you also received for directing the name of the postal. Because, of course, everyone, it's easier to hate than to love. Hmm. Um, and then there were also the assault on Wall Street, which was um, essentially about a security guard who struggles to pay for his wife's medical bills. He loses his investments in Wall Street and says, oh, I'm just going to shoot everything up. Um, OK, um, there was another film as well, Darfur. Uh, it was also released as Attack on Darfur, based again on true events. Uh, about six Western journalists who uh, visit a small village in Darfur, and they are faced with an impossible decision. They, I, when they learn that the brutal state-sponsored militia called the Janawid are, he are heading towards the village, they either leave Sudan and report the atrocities, or they risk their own lives of avoiding a uh, slaughter. And again, much of the dialogue was improvised by the actors. It was shot mostly with handheld cameras to convey a sense of realism. And this was something that Uwe Boll did a lot with his films, mm -hmm. his own films. And um, it won awards. It won the New York International Independent Film Video Festival Prize. Try saying that three times when you're drunk. That's why I abbreviated it IVF. Uh, <laughs> we finally know what it stands for after the last time we were together. <laughs> and it was the best international film. In fact, human rights activist John Pendergast and Amnesty International Ooh, both that's good. were impressed with the film. You know? So, again, it shows Uwe Boll knows his movies. But the big movie that I, I, I love, I love this movie so much. Okay? I heard it was going to be made and I was like, no. No, he's going to do another video game movie on Rampage. And I've got to tell you now, I could not be more farther from the truth. When I tell when I, when I saw the movie, I was like, wow. This, and this was the first film to gain mainly positive reviews. Like I said, the other films that Uwe Boll have done, yes, they were warmly received, much more than his video game um, movies. But, they were, but a lot of critics were still like, eh, no. In this this film, uh, Rampage, it was part of a trilogy. Rampage Capital Punishment was released in 2014 and Rampage President Down in 2016, which was Uwe Boll's last film. And um, it's about a 23-year-old man, Bill Williamson. He's uh, feeling weighed down by the problems of the world. He has um, He's a fan of the outspoken 21-year-old um, uh, Evan Dreis, who seems to be his sole friend. And Bill essentially, he's sick of the world. He's sick of the problems. He constructs a suit of body armor, uh, paintball mask, submachine guns and pistols and knives. And he heads to the center of the town and he goes on a rampage. And he does it because he's sick of the world he he's he just you know he just wants to go out in a blaze of glory and yeah it's it, you think it might sound terrible it actually isn't 
it's a pretty decent Uber Ball movie. And I cannot believe I, you know, I, I say that out loud. Even to this day, it is a decent Uber Ball movie. It's not over the top, but it's just the right amount of violence. It's uncompromising and it's just it's got characterization proper characterization of the main character there's this really incredible scene where Bill gunned up body armored ready goes into a bingo hall and he is he orders a sandwich and he walks amongst the bingo hall watching the elderly people playing bingo and your heart is in your mouth at this point because you're like is he going to shoot them up is he going to kill elderly people and he looks among them and he goes no you don't need my help. And then he walks away and leaves him to play bingo. That scene tells us so much about the main character, his motivations, who he's killing, why he's doing it. And it's a people! Ball's doing this movie. It's an Uwe Bonk film that's got a 7 out of 10 from Slash Film. Yeah. It's a bit crazy. There's another bit as well where, um, and, um, and, and there's another bit before the movie. It's another one of my favourite scenes. Where he, um, Bill goes into a salon. It's filled um, with hiding women. He takes off his mask, grabs a drink, and then he sort of like leaves laughing. And then he comes back after he realizes you've seen my face and he just kills everyone. The scene is drawn out enough to the perfect length that Uwe Boll, sorry, that. So yeah, that Uwe Boll gets right, that the suspense is perfect. It's like, are they gonna shoot? Is he gonna shoot the crowd? Is he not gonna shoot the crowd? And then it sort of pulls the rug from under your feet when you think that he's spared them. It's like, nope, he's gonna shoot them off. And it's just absolutely crazy. Like, I I love that scene so much. I won't go into too much about the film. Now, the ending kind of sucks. Um, you can tell it was tacked on at the end. But honestly, brilliant film. Watch it. I highly recommend it. It's one of Uwe Boll's best. And I honestly thought to myself, you know what? That was really good. Let's just hope he keeps along with this. He made Blood Rain the Third Reich, so it, you know, it didn't last too yeah. long. But then, again, he makes Rampage 2, which isn't as good as the first one, I guess you would say. Mm. But it's still okay. It's, um, yeah, Rampage Capital Punishment School. Um, originally titled You End Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> fair enough. And then you have Rampage um, Free President Down. Which, which is, is originally going to be titled No Mercy, but the crowdfunding campaign failed and he told every single backer to go F themselves in a video on YouTube. Yeah, I remember watching that. <laughs> and... Oh, yeah, I've not watched Rampage 2 and 3. I stopped at 1. I feel, no, 1's enough. I don't need to watch 2 and 3, so I won't talk about them. But Rampage number 1 is just, just, just fantastic. I honestly think that when you have a look at it, uh, I think that Bill Williamson is kind of like an avatar for Uwe Boll. Because Bill Williamson in the film, he's just trying to get along with life, same as Uwe Boll. You know, and obviously Uwe Boll is very passionate about film 
and his passion and his passion shows to the point where he explodes and he ends up punching people in a boxing ring, including the 17 year old. And I think that as he kept produced making these movies and, and things kept, you know, um, you know, reviews kept coming in the negative, negative. I think rampage is just Uwe Boll's way of just getting his rage out mm. and saying, look, these are the big problems. This is the world that we're living in, and this is how it makes me feel. That's my theory. Scary theory, admittedly. But but, but it, it does seem seem to add up. I mean, he has exited the film industry now. We've not had a film from him since, yeah. in a directorial capacity, since Rampage, um, yeah. President Down. He's yeah. been running his own restaurant in Toronto. Yes. Yep. So, like you said, there was a petition made, and I think... A lot of people signed it. Uh, it failed. So the petition failed to reach one million signatures. It was shut down on September the thirtieth. It peaked about three hundred three. It peaked around three hundred fifty-three thousand eight hundred thirty-five to um, retire. Um, oh, sorry. No, if if it stated he would not retire if the petition received one million signatures. So essentially, there was a um, a petition um, online. Um, I guess it reached the goal, and then he must have reversed and said, no, no, no. And after he started picking fights with people, um, like he's the only genius in the whole movie business, and he called Michael Bay and Eli, Eli Roth um, retards. Oh. And I think that was it. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I think at that point... He shouldn't have done that. I think that was a really bad move. Um, because at the time, Michael Bay and Eli Roth were well above him. Yeah, Bay was Bay was at the height of his Transformers run at that point. Yeah. So I don't think that was a good idea. No. And I think that's what knocked him out. It wasn't his movies. It was the fact that he did that. And it really showed that who Uwe Ball had, be, had essentially become. I think the rage had enveloped him. I think he had a heightened... I think he, he, he had a heightened sense of worth. And... Yeah. It's a literal case of a man who hates Hollywood making Hollywood movies. Very much. And he still very much hates Hollywood to this day because around this time last year, people were made aware uh, of an Uwe Boll account, an official Uwe Boll account on a site called Letterboxd, which is where people... It's a film diary where they log their reviews. And he... he The account was deleted, but I was able to get screen grabs of some of the reviews he wrote about more recent releases. So, for example, uh, last year's Shazam, DC film, Half a star for nerds and geeks, not normal human beings. Yeah. Uh, uh, he even reviewed his own films and gave them five star reviews with stories of uh, uh, for Rampage Present Down, the, uh, the third Rampage film. Five stars. The story of Bill Williamson is alive in the third chapter of sexy director Uwe Boll's own boyhood trilogy. This time, the film is awesome, and you will see it. Boyhood trilogy. <laughs> He yeah. might have got his... He's, yeah, he's definitely got his film confused. <laughs> definitely could film confused. Uh, yeah, that that pretty much says it about Uwe Boll, I, I think. is that It was a guy... I think he just wanted people to appreciate his genius because there is untapped... There was untapped genius in his movies that he financed, but he just kept on making computer game movies and that's what killed them. And then the, he, he just, and the show that broke Camel's Black was the publicity stunt. And then in 2016, he announced Rampage. He announced Rampage President Down was his last film. And um, by that time, uh, Germany had closed the tax loophole that he was uh, using in order to fund his film. He couldn't find any um, funding, and that was it. Uwe Boll, the film director hung up his camera and his director's chair and went off into the world of restauranting, apparently. Yeah. I only recently found this out. He apparently is... Now, again, 
and this is where the story has a happy end because we've really I, I know it sounds like i've been you know dumping on uve bowl and pointing out his flaws but there is no denying that the man has a love he just couldn't find a way of getting it out there he also has a love of fine dining yeah and he has claimed to visit over 120 michelin michelin starred restaurants with a span of over the span of 10 years and he's made video series of restaurant reviews so if that is true, the man has obviously... If you've gone to 120 Michelin-starred restaurants... You know your stuff. Years, you know your stuff. And it's the same as... with, with in Similar to his movies. He, he know, Obviously, Uwe Boll has, knows his movie history, has, knows his stuff. But only... and he, So Uwe Boll decides to... Right, I'm not going to be a movie director anymore. In 2013, this restaurant in Vancouver called the Baha Restaurant because he noted that there was a lack of German cuisine in the city. And the restaurant... Now, you think that anything that Uwe Boll touches normally withers and dies, okay? Just look at all his computer game movies. This one, his restaurant received positive reviews. It's the 37th... Uh, it was on 2016. It was noted the 37th best restaurant on ca- Canada's 100 best restaurants. So he's up there in the top 50 percent. And in 2017, it was listed as the world's 50th best restaurants in by the, in the Discovery series in 2017. One of only three Canadian restaurants to be included. And, he, 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 and in 2018. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, he had this to say. He remarked about his newfound success. It's interesting, right? I had to open up a restaurant to get good reviews. And in 2018, his wife, Natalie, and himself formed the Bauhaus Group uh, to expand businesses. It acquired the Bell and Pub in Vancouver, changing it from a sports bar to a family-oriented restaurant. It's since closed. They had plans to open up a second restaurant in Toronto uh, in 2018. And uh, a third location in China is also planned. Ocean Flower Island, uh, um, Artificial Archipelago, and is led by two European Michelin star chefs. So, so far, it's going very well for him. Yeah, we can only hope it continues to go well for him. I mean, yeah. as we say, we, he seems to have found his calling now. The films yeah. didn't work out the way he wanted, and he's still... Well, the computer but, game films didn't yeah. work out the way he wanted. He's, he, I, I, I honestly think if Uwe Boll just didn't do computer game movies, if he kept on his own thing, he would have got low B-grade director. He would have been the kind of guy who... He, he, he would have basically going back back in the old days blockbuster yeah no let's go let's go back. he i tell you what he would have been he would have been the sort of movie that net would love by a great you know a decent director not suitable for the cinema good for our streaming service padded out he would have got to that stage but he kept on chasing the computer game movies and that's what knocked him down. And I think he just didn't get it that if you do computer game movies, you have to stick to a set vision. You cannot put too much of your own self on. Okay. And I think that's what got him. Cause we, we've seen that he can do good movies like rampage, um, tunnel rats, all these movies, they've been you know positively received. And it's a shame because he obviously loves movies show the world how great a movie um didn't work out so he's now gone into the restaurant business saying hey i know about fine dining and he now wants to show the world that he's a brilliant uh, restaurateur and it seems to be working very well for him so yeah i i I think that that's pretty much uve bowl in a nutshell He, he spent so many years doing the wrong thing and he's finally done the right thing so yeah I mean, I, um, and that's Uwe Boll. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. I love the bits. I love his movies because they're terrible, um, and they tell a story. You can, if you look more deeply into the movies, you can see just how bad they are. But they, if you look even deeper into the movies, you can just see there's just glimpses of someone who was saying, "This is what I know about movies. This is what I want you to see." He's just chosen the wrong lens to do it through. 
a real polar opposite to Tommy Wiseau last time we were together because Tommy knew what he was doing. He had a vision, whereas Uwe just keep, kept on pursuing, saying, I want to do it this way, I want to do it this way, I want to do it this way, I want to do it this way. And that ultimately cost him some pretty good films. Well, again, with, with Tommy Wiseau, there, there are a lot of similarities to Tommy Wiseau with Uwe Boll. They did what they wanted to do. They kept going at it. But I think the the, the the main difference is that Tommy Wiseau's earnestness could be seen and he's kind of relaxed into the room being bad. Mm. Uwe Boll could never admit that he was... Tommy Wiseau has, has admitted, actually, do you know what? Yeah, it, it's the room. It's whatever you want it to be. Um, you know, it's crazy, it's goofy, it's whatever you want it to be. Uwe Boll was like, this is my movie, this is how you will take it. Hence the reviews he's done, mm. giving his reviews uh, five stars. And that was the main difference. I, 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 but I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's a restauranteur, I'm happy to hear that he's doing well. And I wish him all the best if he's listening to this. <laughs> um, he probably is. I think he. I think like with uh, with Kanye, he probably searches podcasts that have thirty percent audiences from America just to see what people are saying about him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wish him all the best. It's a shame. It's a shame his movies didn't work out. But he's doing something he loves, and I think that's the moral of the story. Really, is just keep at it. And you will eventually get there. And then sometimes you have to face the wrath of those critics, but that's that's kind yeah. of irrelevant in this story. Yeah, well, I, I, he doesn't have to face the wrath of his critics anymore. Love his food. Yeah, they love his food. That, that is, I think, yeah, that is, that is a good moral story. Just keep on pushing, and you eventually you'll find something you're actually pretty damn good at. And that is basically episode two. Uwe Boll didn't understand computer movies. But we still love him, oh, yeah. even to this very day. Even more, I salute you! Because, you know, a great guy. Great great director, just didn't get the chance. Great director, right. Shaggy Ego took, took over at the end. So, <laughs> Jack, what's our next episode? Because I am not with it. Uh, well, uh, we've got quite uh, yeah. a... Ah, yes, next episode's going to be a really good one. Oh, yes. <laughs> we are talking about The Crow. Yes, and uh, how oh, is I it... I love The Crow. I love. It. I haven't watched that movie, and I'm going to have to watch that today. Yeah. We are talking about next week, The Crow, the movie that Brad literally died making, and also responsible for a lot of legislation changes in using prop guns and we will also we will be talking about its style we will be talking about the uh, how it's brandon lee's greatest triumph uh sadly uh because he never saw it live we'll be talking about how it was made we'll be inspiration behind it and we will be talking about why it's a gothic romance movie mm. i still say to this day it is a gothic romance movie and we will be talking about that next week. Please do tune in. We've also got episodes as well yeah, in regards I... to um, the Kickboxer and various other things as well. Yeah, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up over the next couple of weeks. So if you're watching live on Facebook, do not be afraid to head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Grip Ticket Review. And if you're there, give us a five-star review. It'll help get the podcast out to more people on a regular basis. For our audio listeners, you can watch us live every single Sunday from 3 o'clock UK time at facebook.com forward slash Rip Ticket Show. You can find us on Twitter at Ripped underscore Ticket. I've figured out a way to get more stuff out on socials over the next couple of weeks, which is lovely stuff. Wicked. Uh, but it, this has been a real eye-opener with the whole Uwe stuff because it's, it's a director who I didn't know much about until I started researching for this week's show. And now I'm, I, I feel like I actually want to go out and watch Rampage myself just to, just to see... There's a very real chance it might get reviewed on Talking Smith about filming the next couple of weeks. Do it, review it, review it. Review the Rampage Symmetry uh, trilogy. I'm going to see... um, Oh, that was uh, my Netflix, sorry. I'm going to see whether it is on Netflix. Um, uh, It is not, unfortunately. But you most likely can get it on DVD from all good online 
stores. So please listen, do check it out. It's a really, it's a great Uwe Ball movie. Mm. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to bid you adieu. My name's Dan Carver. I've been Jack Smith. This has been a Rip Ticket Review. Until next Sunday at 3 o'clock, we'll see you at the movies. Before we go, Uwe, what did you think of this week's podcast, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs>